morning, church. Good morning. It's good to uh, see you all this morning. Um, what the first Sunday in October? Second Sunday, that's right, because uh, October 2nd was the first Sunday. Uh, so we are, we're at we're in our second Sunday in the month of October. Um, you know, we're officially in the last quarter of uh, 2022. Um, we've got a lot of things upcoming. Um, we've got uh, we've got birthdays. We've got holidays. We've got midterm elections. Um, you know, we've got. You know, for some of us who have delayed paying taxes, you know, October 15th is coming up. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on with, with each and every one of us. Um, each and every one of us also has plans um, as we go through the balance of this, uh, this 2022. Um, good plans, um, I should say. Um, we all have at least good intentions with what we'd like to be doing. Um, but just to underscore the fact that we, we appreciate that time is passing by and we want to make good use of that time. Um, but it's also important that we not lose sight of who we are and who we, who we serve. And I mentioned that two Sundays ago. Um, that uh, it's, it's just, for, just for practicality reasons, um, it's important to understand that we are children of God and every single purpose that we have on earth should be to serve God because that's what he put us on this earth to do. Uh, just to, you know, as a, as a reminder, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that the whole duty of each and every one of us is to have a reverential fear of the Lord and to keep his commandments. Um, that... <clears throat> That is, those are, those are true statements. And uh, one statement that I think is also um, practically important for us as we you know, go about this last quarter of the year with all the plans that we have to do is that um, it is only God who endorses our plans and sets our footsteps in order to meet those objectives. Um, you know the the common the common misconception of who we are is that we are just servants of God, or and I think I mentioned this in a lesson, right? That Romans the sixth chapter tells us that you know we are to yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto God because we are servants of of righteousness and no longer servants of unrighteousness. I mentioned Brother Carpenter, you know, replaced the word servant with slave, which is fitting. It, 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 it adds more emphasis. Um, but again, those out there in the world just look at us as, you know, we are, uh, you know, mindless, you know, just drones of, of God. And, you know, if that's what they want to think, so be it. I'd rather be a mindless drone of God than a mindless drone of Satan. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that we, while yes, we are servants and slaves to God, um, God is a loving God. And he always has his heart, has his heart, rather, um, set upon 
making sure that you know the things that we would like to do if they are certainly in accordance with his will that they will come to pass Amen. so with that I want to start off a discussion about uh, about God um, it, it's not going to be uh, it's it's probably going to be a little bit of a review because I've mentioned some of these verses and other lessons in the past but if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Job, um, the uh, 37th chapter. <clears throat> and uh, we know the story of Job. We know that uh, Job was, um, was, was stricken. Um, actually, I, the, let's use the biblical term um, of, of what happened to Job. It says uh, uh, in the... 13, or sorry, in the first chapter that uh, uh, that he was cursed, that uh, he was afflicted, if you will, uh, by Satan. And one of the things that uh, is very important for us to realize here with Job is that God did it for a reason. Um, this wasn't, you know... God just taking one of his mindless drones, in this, in this case, Job, and just putting him in a, in a tough spot for just some arbitrary reason. Nor did God put Job in this spot to, um, to prove Satan wrong. Uh, the reason why Job went through these things is because Job needed to be taught a lesson. And... Satan just happened to be the convenient vehicle for that lesson to be taught. How do I know this? Is because the latter part of the book of Job is it is all about Job coming to realize who he is and who he serves. Um, you know, Job knew who he was, or rather, Job knew where all of his blessings came from. If you go back and you read the first chapter of the book of Job, it says that Job gathered his family together um, every year to, um, to give alms to God, thanking them, thanking him. I, can't remember, I don't understand why I'm using the plural. Uh, we know that you know, God the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. But he came together, he brought his family together every year to give alms to God, thanking him for all the many ways he had blessed him and his family. Job was a well-to-do man. Um, but here in the 37th chapter, uh, starting in verse number one, Job had everything taken from him. Um, you know, God was using his servant Job, um, you know, as you know, as a means of edification for all of us in the future to read about his account, but also to strengthen Job. And his faith. And he says in verse number one, um, you know, as <clears throat> Job is talking about, you know, the various ways in which, you know, uh, in, ver in chapter 36, rather, you know, the, the various ways in which God has shown him mercy in, in, in light of his transgressions. He says in verse number one, at this also my heart troubled and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the, the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directed it, he directed it under the whole heaven, and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. 
After the voice roareth, he thundereth at the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. And I'll stop right there. Um, you know, is, is Job using figurative language? Yes, he certainly is. But is he talking about uh, the reality of God speaking to us, you know, in the lightning and the thunder of, of weather? Uh, he goes on and he talks about in verse number six, he saith to the snow, be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of this strength. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, as, as Job goes on and he talks about the, ver well, let's say, let's look at uh, uh, verse number 22 of Job, the 37th chapter. He says, fair, one, fair weather cometh out of the north with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He, he is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice, and he will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respected not any that are wise of heart. And I was thinking about uh, a, a, um, a scene in a movie called Forrest Gump. And if you've seen this movie, um, maybe you'll remember this scene that there was Forrest and Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan had just lost both of his legs. They were out there in the middle of the, the ocean and there was a, a, a storm that came through. And Lieutenant Dan in this scene is up in the mast of the boat and he's basically yelling into the wind. He's, um, you know, doing exactly what, what Job was doing um, here in the book of Job. He was complaining to God. He was, you know, expressing his frustrations and his anger into the mouth of this storm. And uh, later on in the movie, you know, it, uh, it shows that after the storm had passed and the calm of the seas that um, uh, Lieutenant Dan came, uh, found some peace to whatever degree he found peace. And that, that kind of scene really sticks into my head when I read about Job and how he describes the, the power of God in you know the, in terms of weather patterns. Um, if you've ever been out in the middle of, uh, of the ocean, I haven't been, but maybe some have. Um, I've seen movies, I've seen documentaries, but I can only imagine being out in the middle of a large body of water, floating, right? You know, being totally, you know, I guess you would say at the, the will of the ocean. And being in the middle of a storm and coming to grips with how insignificantly um, powerless you are, you know, facing you know a hurricane, facing a tropical storm, whatever the case may be, and it puts you in such a vulnerable position that the only thing that you can possibly do is seek out help from something, from somewhere. You know, you talk to a sailor and they'll tell you that, 
that the sea is the master and they are just simply servants of the sea they're slaves to the sea it doesn't matter how large of a boat you're on if you're on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Atlantic and there's a hurricane coming through it doesn't matter how big a vessel you are in every single sailor even the captain of the boat is expressing hope and faith in something and what uh, uh, Job is, is highlighting here, and he goes on to say in, in verse number 38, or excuse me, chapter 38, starting at verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand, thee, for I will demand of thee an answer, and answer thou me. You know, the, uh, the Lord is, is speaking out in the form of a whirlwind. And, you know, an, an, another analogy of the great power of nature, of, of weather. The Lord is, you know, screaming out to Job and saying, give me an answer as to who you are. You know, what power and, and what express knowledge do you have to ever question me and the things that I've commanded you to do? If you have your Bibles, flip over to um, chapter 40. Job answers the Lord by saying in verse number 1, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he, shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let, me, let him answer. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am God. What shall I answer thee? I, I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. You know, we, we talk about uh, Jonah. Jonah thought he knew better than God. He forgot who he was and who he served. There was another storm, right? And, and Jonah realized that how insignificant, how vulnerable, how small and powerless of a human being that he was. So much so that he felt that it was needful for the men, the master of the boat, to toss him overboard. Well, if you even remember this, right, that the master of the boat told every single sailor that was on the boat to pray to his God. And when they found Jonah in the bottom of the boat not praying, the master of the boat said, Why are you not praying to your God? Don't you realize we're in a storm? Don't you realize that you know this boat is about to meet its demise? And Jonah, you know, while he's down at the bottom, you know, as a as a, as a coward, he realizes, okay, yep, you're right. God, I know men, master of the boat. I know the reason why this, this torment is upon us. It's because of my sin and my transgression. Throw me overboard. The master of the boat said, no, we're not going to throw you overboard. It, it, we don't want to make our situation any worse. Jonah was like, you don't understand. The God, the almighty God, the, 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 the man, the, the, the myth, the legend, <laughs> you know, as they say. You know, but the Almighty, 
He is the person who is making this temptus in the sea. Throw me overboard, and I'll tell you that you'll be uh, that you'll be you'll be saved. And the master of the sea questioned him. He said, he "said Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I don't want to be I don't want to be held responsible for for killing you." Um, and Jonah said, "No, nope, don't worry about it." They threw him overboard. God had prepared a great fish, as we know the story goes, swallowed him up. The seas were calm, and the men on those boats were saved. And, and I got to thinking about because nothing happens in a vacuum. You know, the, after they had thrown Jonah over into the water and, and, you know, saw him got swallowed by this great fish, what do you think those men realized mm. in that particular situation? Well, it wasn't just that they had a cool story that they could tell other fishermen once they got back to port, but they had, now they believed. Yes. I mean, it was ingrained in them. They had a story to tell, even in the fact that, you know, they were master fishermen, they knew the seas. In this moment of vulnerability, God showed himself. And he didn't just show himself in just his power and his majesty, but he showed himself in his mercy. Now, if you have a Bible, continue to, let's, let's continue to read forward in uh, the book of Job. Job's, uh, Job says in chapter 42 in verse number 1, it says, And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be be withholding from me? Who is he that I did counsel without knowledge? Same question that uh, God had just asked him, you know, three chapters ago. Therefore, have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes see it. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in ashes and dust. Verse number 10. God, in this moment that Job expressed his vulnerability, in this moment that Job expressed just how small he was, in this moment where Job realized who he is and who he is to serve, it says in verse number 10, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And you think about you know, this, this account here. We see that not just God showing his power, but God showing the power of his mercy. And I think that's what uh, the world... Um, loses sight on with when it comes to acknowledging an almighty God is they say well you know you know yes if you if you believe that there's an almighty God then what you're also saying is that we are just you know insignificant pawns in the in the chess match that he is playing you know they there's movies right there's you know there's uh agnostics who say that there can't be a God because if there can't if there is a God then why does he have 
What is he? Why, why are there haves and have-nots? Why are there super wealthy and still super poor? You know, why do good things? Why excuse me? Why do good things happen to bad people, and why do bad things happen to good people? You know, they'll say that I can't live my life believing in a God that would allow pain and anguish and torment and murder and and all of the bad things that we that men do on this planet. Right. Right? Right. But they lose sight of the fact that there is a God and there is an almighty God, but there is also an all-merciful God. Exactly. Yeah. If you have your Bibles, let's turn back to the book of Isaiah. And <clears throat> you may say, well, where is God's mercy? Well, you're looking for God's mercy in the wrong places. And that's exactly what happened to the, uh, the I was going to say, uh, Israelites. I, yeah, they were Israelites at this time, but um, the Israelites were in bondage. Right. Um, and all of the things that were happening to the have-nots today were the exact same things that were happening to the Israelites in Isaiah's time. Right. Isaiah is a prophet of God. He was, he was born for the purpose of proclaiming the good news um, to the Israelites. And if you look throughout, all, through, throughout the book of Isaiah, Isaiah frequently, frequently admonishes the Israelites to get them to understand who they are and who it is that they serve. And one of the things that we, we can find here in, in a metaphorical sense is the Israelites are finding themselves in the tempest of a storm. Not a real storm, but a socioeconomic storm, in a, uh, uh, a political storm, if you will. Um, and in this storm, everything that they had, I just want to emphasize this, everything that they had was taken from them. Their lands, their animals, the temple that Solomon finished was destroyed. It says uh, um, that in every single um, instance in which the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews, um, you know, all the same people but called different things throughout history, um, in every single instance in which they were conquered, I mean, you can even look at World War II as, as an example of this, that every single worldly possession that they had was taken from them. The best minds uh, were taken from them or, and were brought as a trophy for the conqueror. They were in a storm, and in the midst of this storm, these Israelites, in Isaiah's time, just couldn't get around to realizing, coming to the truth that, that Job came to. Which is, we are all insignificant. Or we are far less significant than we think we are. The Israelites had their time in the, time in the sun, but because they chose not to remain obedient to the will of God, God had to teach them a lesson. God had to humble them he had to bring them low. 
so they can realize who it is that they who they are and who it is that they serve so he can in turn exalt it. And if you look at uh, Isaiah the uh, uh, 46th chapter and I want to thank uh, for the people again for reading the, the scripture reading um, you'll see some of the exact same things here that Job was talking about um, when he was uh, afflicted um, and tried. I'll start reading um, Well, I'll start reading in verse number 8. We'll read through the end of the chapter. In verse number 8, it says, uh, Isaiah says this, Remember this, and show yourselves, men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Why would a man ever forget who God is? Well, we forget all the time. Uh, we forget who God is anytime we take credit for all the things that we have and all the things that we do. Anytime, and if we don't take credit for it, anytime we give credit to something or someone else for all the things that we have and all the blessings uh, and all the things that we do. Uh, the Israelites, as uh, Isaiah is talking about here, uh, the Israelites gave credit to idols in the form of idol uh, idolatry, right? They they took all the blessings of gold and silver and they took those things and fashioned it into the form of an idol and said, thank you, idol. Thank you for this gold and the silver that I had just used with my hands to create you. You know, you, you see the, um, uh, the hubris and the pride just in that statement that... I am taking the things that God has given me and I'm going to take it and fashion it into the image of something that I have devised in my own mind and in turn say thank you for the very thing that I've used to make it. See, that, that don't compute. Right? But that's what humans, that's what we do. And what Isaiah is prophesying to the uh, to the to the Israelites here. What is he saying? He says, "Don't forget." <laughs> Remember this. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, boy. God declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure calling on the ravenous bird from the east the man that executes that executeth my counsel from a far country yea I have spoken it I will bring it to pass I have purposed it I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness, it shall not be afar off, and my salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion, for Israel 
for Israel my glory. You know, the, the, these active words, these words of authority, uh, these words of purpose um, is what God is using, um, is God is speaking through his prophet uh, Isaiah to the Israelites. And guess what? These, these very same words are being spoken to us in the New Testament scripture. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> turn to uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. says uh boy and there's well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna start reading mm -hmm. um i'll start reading from uh um i'll start reading from chapter verse number one i can't pick a a good place to start um just because this this entire chapter is, is just really good stuff here mm -hmm. um it says in second uh, corinthians 4 chapter verse number one therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. And, you know, we, we think about, again, who we are and who it, is, who it is we serve. We serve the Almighty God, a God who is great in power, but also great in mercy. Mm -hmm. And how has He showed us His mercy? He showed us His mercy by sending His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Right. You know, we are servants of God, and what has God commanded us to do? Mm -hmm. He's commanded us to what? To go out and preach unto all nations what thus saith the Lord. We are all ministers of God. Whether you're a male or a female, don't matter. We are all ministers of God. It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel it be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Mm -hmm. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Mm -hmm. And I want to stop right there is, you know, the God of this world, you know, how is he, how is it blinded uh, the, the eyes, the spiritual eyes, let's say, of the world from seeing the glory of God? Mm -hmm. Well, pride, arrogance. Thinking that you are in control, you know they. You know, as the old saying goes, uh, you know, I'm the master of my fate. You aren't the master of anything. Certainly not your fate. But that's what the God of this world is is trying to is trying to preach, if you will, trying to get those out there in this world to to buy into. But it took. Let me, let me just maybe connect the dots a little bit better. I talked about Job's wife last Lord's Day. 
My comment last Lord's Day was Job's wife was a good woman. She was a, a moral, a morally good woman. But she was not a righteous woman. Why was she not a righteous woman? Because in the moment in which all of her blessings and glad tidings were taken from her, in those moments of persecution, in those moments where God made her feel insignificant, what did he do? What did she do? Or what did she prompt, ask her husband to do? The exact same thing that Satan told God, or Satan challenged God, that Job would do. Go back and read it. Job, Satan told God, the only reason why Job is a faithful man is because you're good to him. If you take all of those good things from you, he will curse you to your face. And here we find Job's wife prompting Job to do the exact same thing that Satan challenged God that he would do. You know, the when we fall into this, you know, this, uh, or and I'm speaking of humankind here, you know, when we just think of ourselves, when we think of, when we feel like, you know, there can't be a God, right, because I can't give all control over to something that I can't see. I've got to hold on to it myself. Well, that's the God of this world tricking people into not realizing the glorious gospel of Christ. And, and he goes on to speak about this in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter. He says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, of Je for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. Mm -hmm. It goes on to say in verse number 13, We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raiseth up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. For we, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, mm -hmm. yet the inward man mm -hmm. is renewed day by day. Mm -hmm. for, a light for our light affliction, mm -hmm. which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. And, you know, that's, 
that's the that's where I'll I guess I'll end the lesson. Is the God of this world only wants us to be focused on the on the present things? You know, when when we look out, and let me just say this. There are plenty of men and women in human history that were a part of the have-nots. Who were born into poverty. Who were born into slavery. Such as all of our ancestors of African descent. And what happened? God in the richness of his mercy mm -hmm. preserved those individuals for a better tomorrow. And when we constantly are looking at just today and the things that are going on right in front of our face and, and we forget who we are and who we serve, right? That it doesn't matter what's going on with me today, right? Because, yes, things... Let me bring it to a final I feel like I'm skipping around the point here. Um, there's a verse I think that touches on it better than than I could. Um, I believe it's in Second Corinth, Second Thessalonians, the uh, first chapter. At uh, uh, verse number three. Again, this second Thessalonians, the first chapter, and verse number three. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward all toward each other abounded, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith. In all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, mm -hmm. which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Right. You know, the things that we go through today, mm -hmm. um, you know, we go through them for a reason. Job went through all the things that he went through for a reason. God is constantly humbling us so that he can what? Exalt and bless us. Yeah. I was a have-not. I mean, I maybe not the not the, the least of the have-nots, but I didn't have a whole lot. I struggled early on in life. My, you know, my mom struggled earlier on in life. You have all struggled early on in life. In spite of those struggles, those trials and tribulations, you never forgot who you are. You never forgot God. How that God is almighty. You didn't curse him to his face. You didn't say, God, I don't believe you because of the present situation that I'm in. No, you, you kept the faith, you understood who he is, and you also understood that God is a merciful God. Amen. And in his mercy, he's blessed you to, to be where you're at, 
right here and right now. Sister Bill sent me a text the other day. She said, praise dot, praise period, the Lord, period. And thank you for sending me that text um, because it hit me. Praise the Lord. That, that phrase is powerful because it does so much. It identifies who I am and who it is that I serve. It, it, it says that I don't have any of the power. I don't have any of the control. It's God because I'm praising him. I'm saying thank you. I'm glorifying him. The Lord. You know what the Lord means? The Lord is, is the Lord, L-O-R-D, means that, you know, this, it's a title. That, uh, that comes with authority. I am praising the authority. And why am I praising him? Not just because he is the authority, but I'm praising the authority because of how merciful he is. Amen. You know, a servant doesn't praise his master if the master is just constantly taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. No. The servant praises the master in those moments where the master shows him mercy. It says, uh, continuing on, <clears throat> verse number 11 and 12, 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter. It says, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the lesson is yours this morning. Just be mindful of you know, who you are, who it is you serve. We serve a mighty God, a powerful God. And while I, I certainly don't want to be out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, in the middle of a, of a hurricane, brothers and sisters in Christ, I think that would probably be the scariest thing personally for me. But it would probably it would it would undoubtedly it would undoubtedly be probably one of the most powerful experiences. For me as well. Can you imagine being in a boat and the wind and the storm and the waves, knowing full well that if the, 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 the vessel that you are in that is being buffeted is the only thing that's keeping you alive. How powerful and how meaningful, how, what would be the depths of the prayer that you would give to God for mercy? in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think I, I don't think, that's what I'm saying, it would probably be deep, one of the more powerful experiences for Thomas Garner personally to be in that moment because I wouldn't just be bowing. I'd be bowing below the ground. I would, just, 
the tears, the pleading, the, the requests of mercy, just God, just please spare me at this moment because I don't want to die. I apologize, God, for all of the bad things I've ever done. If you want me to recount each and every one of them, I will do that right now. God, if you would but just spare me, God, in your mercy, if you were just put me on dry land, God, I will do all sorts, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Wherever you send me, I'll go. You say jump, I will just jump, and, and I won't even ask how high. I will do anything and everything in my power to serve you, God. If you would just spare my life in this moment of my buffeting. That's where Job was. You know what happened to Jonah when he was in the belly of the fish? Mm -hmm. You know what he did for three days? Mm -hmm. The depths of the prayers that I just highlighted is the same depth, depth of prayer that Jonah was praying to God mm -hmm. in the belly of that fish. Mm -hmm. How do I know this? When he was vomited up out of that fish on the dry land, you know what he did? He said, well, here I go. He went into Nineveh. How many times have, have you been there? Maybe you haven't been, you know, on a ship in the middle of a storm, but you've had a little bit of money and a whole lot of bills to pay. You've had a whole a little bit of food and a whole lot of bet and a whole lot of bellies to feed. Right? You've Brother Bill um, is in the military, and, and for those who maybe have been across the pond, you know, in the middle of a, of a, of a gun battle, right? I can I rest assured that they were thinking, God, please, please spare me. A bullet just took out my partner right here. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, the sergeant is telling us I need to van advance through this battlefield where there's mines and other you know, artillery and so forth. We've all been there. Maybe not in the belly of a fish, not in the middle of a sea storm, but we have been there where we have prostrate, you know, as the song said, you know, I prostrate been, you know, you get, you get in this position, right? You bow <clears throat> in humility because you're vulnerable, you're powerless. And you pray to God. If you reflect on what happened to Jonah, those moments are temporary. Because mm -hmm. guess what happened to Jonah? Mm -hmm. He was back in the desert questioning God. Mm -hmm. And then what did God have to do? He had to teach him a lesson again. Yes. We're the same way. I think about, uh, and who was I? Maybe I was talking to, uh, <laughs> I was talking to Thomas. And then I'm, I'm going to stop. Thomas broke his, broke his pinky, as you all know. And I told Thomas, I said, you know, you should, you should thank God for, for, uh, for him blessing you with that broken pinky. And I took him off of the speakerphone because I knew exactly what he was going to say. 
He's like, what? Why would I do that? And I said, well, son, it took God to break your finger for you to realize who you are and who you, and who you serve. It took God for you to, you know, and here's what I say, is we've been praying that God, praying to God that Thomas would get more rest, Thomas would get, you know, more time for study. Thomas knows he needs to be getting sleep. Thomas knows what's, you know, the priorities in his life. It took God blessing him to take all of that stuff away in the form of a broken pinky for him to realize, okay, now you have no choice but to get sleep because you can't do nothing. You can't go over here and do this, and you can't go over here and do that. Mm -hmm. You see how powerful God is? You see, even in those moments where we are hurt, we are brought low that God shows his mercy. Yes. God is merciful in those moments where he takes the thing from us that is caught, that is keeping us from the thing that he knows that we need. It could be that the thing that you needed was to lose that job. It could be that the thing that you needed was not having enough money in your bank account. It could be the thing that you needed was not having enough food in your refrigerator. Because it's in those moments where we find ourselves in the middle of the sea, powerless and vulnerable. <clears throat> that we have no choice but to turn to God. And all glory be to God that he shows his mercy by giving us those opportunities to do just that. So if you're here this morning and you have been brought low, don't fret. It's okay. You're still alive. But God in his infinite wisdom and his power and his mercy is giving you an opportunity today to acknowledge him. Mm -hmm. To come to him in prayer and ask him for all the things that you need. Not to be like the idols of the Israelites and go to their, excuse me, the idolatrous Israelites who would go to other gods and pray to them. God is saying, no, come to me, you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take upon my yoke, for it is easy and light. And that's all God wants from each and every one of us, is for us to come to Him. And we all know, as in all of the examples that we just read here in the Scripture, that God in His infinite mercy will provide for us the exact thing that we need. Whatever it is that He feels that we need, He will provide it to us. If you're not a Christian today, just understand that, you know, you are, yes, you are outside of the sheephold of God, um, <clears throat> but you're also in darkness. And we just got the reading in, uh, what, 2 Corinthians, the uh, fourth chapter, right, that... Uh, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe in God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. But if you are not a Christian here today, hopefully some words have been spoken that will enlighten your mind to the truth. Mm -hmm. That 
The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep His commandments. I heard a, uh, a, a, a gentleman talk about the creation just yesterday. We are created by God. We were created by God. Which means that God has all the power. <laughs> he formed us from the dirt. Um, so with that in mind, the truth is, is that God is real. God is powerful. God is merciful. And it requires, if you want to be a partaker of his mercy, you have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to believe it. You have to repent. You have to confess the name of Jesus Christ. You have to be baptized, fully immersed in water, buried as, as Christ is buried in the ground, be buried in water, rise up a new creature in Christ Jesus with the same power that God used to resurrect Jesus from the dead is the same power that God will use to transform your mind as a new creature in Christ Jesus. We have to do that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Be baptized from the mission of sins. Obtain the gift of the Holy Ghost. And not be like Job. You know, we, we and, I, and I guess I should, shouldn't say not like Job, but we should heed uh, the lessons that Job learned. Amen. Is to never forget who we are and who it is that we serve until death. Just as Paul told Timothy, he said, I have kept the faith, excuse me, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, I have finished my course, and henceforth, mm -hmm. henceforth there is a crown of life waiting for me, not just me, yes. but all them who are called and love, and, and who are called and love God at his, and, and boy, who love the appearing of God. And I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, the point is, is for all those who are called, don't forget who God is, and don't forget who it is that they serve. We do not serve ourselves. We do not serve men. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, Paul, Peter, Lydia, Rebecca, all of the men and women of faith, that are written in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. That is the God who we serve. So if the, les if the lesson is yours, if, if, you, if you have need for a prayer, if you uh, need to confess a fault, um, the floor will be yours after we stand and sing the song of invitation.